You're listening to an interview recorded at the ICE 2019 conference in Schaumburg, Illinois. Enjoy the program. Our seat filled with our next guest. We're going to let her introduce herself and tell us where she's from and what she does and all that kind of good stuff. So here we go. Hi, everyone. My name is Jenny McGarra. I'm here live from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, so a, a quick commute, actually. The traffic wasn't too bad up here to Schaumburg today. And um, I'm the chief program officer with EdTech Team. And before that, I was at Chicago Public Schools for about a decade and at uh, Displains at 62 as a district administrator for several years. Oh, cool. Man, cool. Yeah. You've got a lot of a lot of hats and experience under your belt already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell us about EdTech Team. Uh, we are a global network of educators hoping to make classrooms, teaching and learning everywhere, just better places for everybody, for the kids uh, who are obviously the point of why we do what we do, but right. also for the educators who are trying to serve the students. So we um, have teams in, uh, I think now, eight or nine different countries, uh, full-time teams, and then wow. work in um, you know several dozen other countries where we don't have full-time teams. but. Uh, it's really exciting to be part of a group of really passionate educators hoping to improve education globally. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. So for our listeners, um, let's talk about specifics of that. Is that a lot of uh, tech integration into the classroom, a little modern 21st century you know, learning? Well, we joke all the time that we should brand, like rebrand and change our name because our title, you know, our company name is Ed Tech Team. Yeah. But really, and, and I think ICE, we've seen this here, and I'm sure some of your other guests have said this as well, it's not really about technology anymore. It's about the, the pedagogy. Um, shift and the mindset change that happens and really rethinking the way we do things in school and do, does it need to stay the same way or what can we do to just make things better to think outside of the box yeah. and think outside the classroom well walls so you know while some of what we do definitely involves technology because we want to make sure we're leveraging the best tools and resources possible mm -hmm. a lot of times it's not really about the tech but the way that we're thinking about education and how we're supporting teachers in in that mindset change and growth yeah yeah we have the same problem with edutech guys we talk about a lot of other things than just ed tech. It just yeah. started that way, and you know, it's one of those things. We you need try to, to do like a global rebrand of yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything ed tech needs yeah. to be reworked. Yeah, we'll just do like a command find replace. Yeah, yeah right. there you go. <laughs> one of my favorite things to do, by the way. Um, uh, so tell us what brings you to ICE. What's going on for you here, for you guys? Here. Well, we're. Uh, I have several presentations going on. Oh, cool. uh, a panel around equity in education with Tanisha Thomas, who's an amazing oh. educator yeah. here in uh, the Illinois area, and. And then uh, we're talking about um, a project that's really near and dear to my heart that I'm focusing most of all of my days and nights uh, right now is the Dynamic Learning Project, which is about that mind shift uh, that I was talking to you about. Oh, cool. Could you elaborate on that yeah, a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a big challenge that I had as a classroom teacher, uh, an like a technology instructional coach, and as a district administrator was helping others get on board. So I always would joke about how oftentimes I felt like I was alone on this island of innovation. Mm. And I thought that it was a pretty rad island. We had cool activities <laughs> and we were doing things and just like, why wouldn't you want to hang out? But then right. I'd invite people to join me on this island of innovation. People were like, no, <laughs> like I'm cool, like in my, where I am on the yeah. mainland. Yeah. So like it was a constant struggle. And as a classroom teacher, it was a lot of side eye from my colleagues of like, oh my God, there she goes again, doing whatever it is that she's doing. It's mm. not the way we've always done things. Right. Mm -hmm. 
when I became a coach, it would be people like physically running from me, like, oh no, she's gonna try and make me think different. Yeah. And when I became a district administrator, if it was a lot of platitudes of like, yeah, sure, I'm gonna do that. And then they'd close their door and be like, I'm not gonna do what that administrator told me to do. So it was really hard when you think about that Rogers innovation curve. You've seen that diffusion of innovation right, where you yes. have that 16% of early adopters and innovators and then mm -hmm. that 84% who are generally not into it. Yeah. Yep. So the Dynamic Learning Project is about taking um, any school or district and moving the entire 100% of the bell curve, not just that top 16%. Mm. How do we get that latter 84%? Right. Or even if you want to like really get granular and th think about those laggards, right? The, la the late adopters, that 34% and the laggards, the 16%. Right. They're the ones who almost never want to meet with their coaches. So the Dynamic Learning Project is about supporting existing instructional coaches and how to not only change practice, but change mindsets. Because a lot of instructional coaches go in and say, here's how you can be a better reader. Here's how you can be a better mathematician, which is wonderful um, for teachers to help their kids understand that. But it's almost like a, somewhat of like a religious conversion to get a teacher to say, think differently right. and be willing <coughs> to do things differently. Right. So we train the coaches in how to get buy-in from teachers, how to make them want to meet with them, how to get them to want to change their practice in a way where you're not pulling them down the road to innovation, but walking alongside them. Yep. And then we give them resources through ongoing mentorship. There's a mentor who works with the coach every other week to help them in this model. They get to go to Google for two days over the summer and do like a really cool uh, conference around coaching and mindset change. Mm -hmm. um, they have an app that we developed. So actually I should have said this whole program, the Dynamic Learning Project was developed with Google. Um, and Google for Education is kind of the power behind it. Sure. So um, <coughs> they helped us um, get the resources and the support. Digital Promise, um, the outfit run by Karen Cater, the former director of technology from the White House uh, under the Obama administration, uh, previous to Richard Kulata, helped um, to do all the research behind it to vet the process and make sure it works. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, so then we have apps that Google built around it. We have a coaching model that has been research vetted. We have mentors that go in and support them. And so the whole point is, is how do we change the way a school thinks and a district thinks so that all teachers can be involved in pedagogical shift, not just the top 16%. Well, and I think that's that approach is so, uh, it's, it's definitely so needed, but to me, uh, listening to it, it's such a unique approach because generally, at least the things that, that I've been exposed to, is the, you need to change, and here are some tools to change, but there's not really that follow-up mentorship. It's more like like the one-and-done, or if you're lucky, maybe a, a you know a two-and-done type thing versus actually working side-by-side side through the especially some of those difficult steps where you've got those teachers who like you said you know you, you got those the folks at the tail end of that who they're not only you know they don't not only do they not want to change they've got their heels dug in and they got their fence posts dug and they're grabbing on holding on not wanting to go forward at all so to hear what you guys are offering in really working with them to help them change that mentality to kind of you know, let, let's get your heels up out of the dirt and right. at least take a step. You don't have to come running, but, you know, at least take a step. And here's why you want to take a step. Here's what you can do to take that step. I think it's a, that's a, it's a very unique approach. Yeah, we're excited. I mean, we see there's instructional coaches all over the country and we're, we're expanding. We've been in pilot phase with 100 schools for the past two years and now we're expanding to um, 
all throughout the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. Mm -hmm. And the thing that's really interesting to us is we hear about all these instructional coaches that are already sitting in these roles. And there's really, um, the vast majority are non-tech, uh, non-tech instructional coaches. So mm -hmm. a lot of these folks never taught one-to-one, -one, have no idea how to leverage technology. Mm -hmm. They want to make teaching and learning better for kids, but they don't know how to leverage the tools. Right. So in that sense, Dynamic Learning Project can come in and like activate this like hidden secret power that they never knew they had yeah. to better impact teaching and learning by giving them that power. On the other hand, you have the smaller cohort of instructional technology coaches who are the, you know, the awesome rad nerds who hang out at ICE, <laughs> right. and all of us, like our people, yeah. but then they're fighting that 84% all the time right. mm -hmm. and they're coming they're like having buy-in issues because they're like oh you're just the tech person right so it's helping them get that validation from their staff and allowing them to have more impact and greater uh, ripple effect to their teams so what we're really trying to do is through one program bring up all instructional coaches to be cool wizards like us and be instructional technology coaches right. and help all existing instructional technology coaches have that deeper impact yeah so and bringing that balance well I'm gonna get nerdy on you, but bringing that balance to the force. Amen. I mean, really. Yeah. You know. yeah. 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 Well, I, so how do you guys address? So one of the biggest problems that I've seen everywhere that we travel um, is that the problem is is about time, and it's not we're in a hurry because every school district's in a hurry. How quickly can we get this implemented and rolled out? That's the big one. But what we find that happens is is that you know every just pick anything from Renaissance learning to Flipgrid or whatever you want to talk about, whatever you're putting out there, we can have your kids in the system, we can have you up and running in a week, three days. The interesting thing that happens is, is that there's no follow-up after that because mm -hmm. the process really, to, for it to grab hold, because those people holding on to that fence post, mm -hmm. yeah. they're eventually going to give up and they're going to lose grip. But unfortunately what happens is most programs do not last longer than a year. Mm -hmm. And so in trying to sell it, to make sure we can get you on board, we're gonna hurry, hurry, hurry. Yeah. But have you guys addressed how to sell that? Listen, we're gonna hurry and get you on board, but then the process is going to take this long. Yeah, absolutely. For us, that's why it's about the coach and it's not about um, saying like, we're gonna help train this you know, we're going to help get you on G Suite or we're going to, we think this is the one magic bullet to innovation. Mm -hmm. It's about that mindset change and mm -hmm. having someone that is school embedded, that's trusted, that has relationships, that understands the community um, and getting them activated and empowered. So for us, it's a three-year process to get that person activated, but then it doesn't end at the end of the three years. So the way our model works is year one, super intensive. You go to Google, you meet your people, you get your, you meet your mentor and you begin this year long, super intense program where you get eight graduate credits like which is also like as a former Chicago public schools teacher that's a pay raise for me like mm -hmm. that's huge right mm -hmm. um, and then you get this like ongoing every other week mentorship and site visits and this app then year two and three it's about gradual release of control to say like how are we upping your leadership how are you going to be able to sustain this impact and this growth when we're not like you know, holding your hand every step of the way, sort of right. training wheels to being your own two-wheeler. And then years four and beyond is kind of this a la carte model of you're in this network now, you're part of our team, you're part of our family. How do you continue to stay sustained, inspired, activated, and how do you continue to impact change in your, in your school or building? And what we also want to see is that the coach also releases controls because we know that a lot of really empowered ed tech coaches don't always stay in their buildings forever and ever and ever. Right. Right. And we don't want systemic change to be tied to a person, but really 
the community and the building itself. So what we also train our coaches to do is if they want to stay in their job and retire with a nice pension as an ed tech coach, rad. Right. If they want to move on and try something different, that the school won't be stripped of the progress it made if they decide to move on. Mm -hmm. And so the process is built so that it's creating um, foundational change yeah. for the students and teachers. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. we got a good picture of what we're looking for. <laughs> well, and, and I, and I it, it sounds to me like um, you've given a, a lot of thought, and, and maybe this is from experience, maybe this is part of the planning, but however that came to be, in addressing, getting them on board quickly, walking them through. I, I love the idea that the first year, you know, you really are holding their hand through that whole first year, and then over the next year starting to let go, and then the third year you're letting go even more, and still providing the mechanisms for beyond that and outside of that because mm -hmm. that, that I can't tell you how many times you know a program comes in and it's basically tied around that person yep. you know and so when that person leaves for whatever reason then there's a hole there and now you know either the next person in they got to start at square one and you know do the whole process over again, which I'm sure is great for you guys. It's, you know, <laughs> anything that brings in, you know, money into your pockets, not saying they're in for the money. I'm just saying, you know, that, that recurring cost is always great. Um, but, you know, every, however often that person leaves, when they're tied with that type of program, with a program where that vacuum is created, you know, it's, it's a two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. And this sounds like this is more like baby steps forward and not only baby steps forward for that person, but that community as a whole inside that school, whether that's the building, the district, whatever, they get to keep moving on. And yeah. so when that next person comes in, they're brought into the fold. And yeah, they, they still may need all the, the that, that initial handholding, all that kind of stuff, but they get to actually come in starting way ahead of where that first person even started themselves. Yeah, they get the model, they have the process, yeah. and, and the and the culture's already primed to be receptive to coaching. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Man, so awesome. uh, I have to ask this question. Anything here you're looking forward to seeing that, you know, that's really, you know, on your radar that, you know, you could come here and catch? Yeah, I'm really, you know, the thing about Illinois that's exciting, and I didn't realize how lucky I was to live here until I left, like, I started, not left, but I started working in this global network, mm -hmm. is how innovative we are in terms of like innovative people per capita like we're a very densely populated nerd um quotient mm -hmm. in, in the chicagoland area yeah yeah and you know, I that that should be a you need, that that needs to be a tag or yeah. something somewhere <laughs> densely populated nerd and we do like you go other places and it's like oh it's so hard to find someone i'm like oh my god are you kidding me like mm -hmm. if i wanted to meet with like 30 nerds tomorrow, I could just like send a tweet and meet, meet people. It, yeah, right. it is great. And so what I really love about ICE and getting to, to be at this event is um, getting to see all, all of the like um, Chicagoland geeks in one place really jamming on things and what I love is not only attending the sessions but debriefing with people after the sessions about what's happening school to school. So what I think is really unique about ICE versus ISTE and other big conferences is something is really cool is We'll go to a session and then 
actual follow through will happen mm -hmm. in that I'll be sitting next to you and let's say I'm in Arlington Heights and you're in Waukegan and we're talking about this really rad session that we went to around students using social media to, to connect with experts. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, that was really cool. I want to do something. And you're like, I have middle schoolers. I think I'm going to try it on Monday. And I'm like, what's your what's your email address? What's your Twitter handle? Like, let's get our kids to do it together right. and that we do that. Or you say, like, I have this really great makerspace that's not just a 3D printer sitting there doing nothing, but my kids are actually learning. And I'm like, okay, can I come visit you? And right. I can drive 30 minutes and do it. And I hear these conversations happening here all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I really am excited to see that happen again. But what I want to do better this time is um, help facilitate the conversations and oh, help yeah. my friends who I know are hungry for that and mm -hmm. to, like, help connect the dots and be kind of like an edu matchmaker, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a small yeah. line from Sarah Thomas. Yes, yeah. that's right, um, yes. And, and to make sure that we're having these Chicagoland connections because we can we can connect with each other in a way that a lot of places, like like TCEA is a huge, really powerful conference and also mm -hmm. a, a large quotient of nerds, mm -hmm. but Texas is huge physically. Right. Yeah. Whereas comparatively it's easy for us to drive around in the right. in the chicagoland area yeah yeah, yeah that's awesome that okay really so cool. if our listeners want to find out more pick your brain reach you what's the best way to do that um they can uh tweet me at at miss magera m-s-m-a-g-i-e-r-a or they can find out about dynamic learning project at just dynamic learning project.com cool awesome there you go well, thank you so much for sharing with us thank You've been listening to an interview from ICE 2019 in Schaumburg, Illinois. Thank you for listening.